Tonight, I really want to speak about walking in freedom. I think that's what the Lord was sort of softening the ground uh, before, as we were doing worship. And, um, you know, it's so important for us as God's people to, to reflect Him well and to reflect Him beautifully. And uh, we can only do that if we understand who we are, how we positioned in Christ, and how to walk in freedom. And, um, you know, Jenny and I have been saved for many years, decades now, um, into our fifth decade. And, uh, yeah, over four decades of been uh, walking in ministry as well and, um, and praying for people and uh, journeying with people and helping people to come to freedom. Obviously, first and foremost, the, the spotlight shines on yourself, and you've got to walk in freedom if you're going to help someone else, that you make sure that you are walking in, in the way God wants you to walk so that you can turn around and say, the freedom that I've discovered, the freedom I've learned to walk in, I want to walk, help you to walk in the same that same freedom. And uh, tonight I'm probably going to focus a little bit on us being an army of God. Um, you know, often when we preach, we use the bride. I love the bride picture that we got this amazing bridegroom. He's coming back soon for his people. We don't know what, what soon means. It could mean a hundreds or thousands. I don't know. Uh, but it could be a while. It could be around the corner. When I got saved over 40 years ago, we, we expected Jesus' return any moment and would appear not. It doesn't, hasn't happened, but we're expectant. We live in that state of anticipation of, of watching the prophetic and, and looking out for that Messiah who's going to come back for his bride, uh, that Savior. He has really come as the Messiah, and he set us free. And uh, we're a people that's called to walk in that freedom. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember reading about... Um, the British Army, in the, in the First World War, which was between 1914 and 1918, the British Army were quite good. But in the previous war, which happened in South Africa, when they fought against uh, the Boers, anyone Afrikaans here? You know, you Afrikaans, Afrikaans guys. The British got a bit of a hiding, to be honest, in, in, in terms of in, in battle. And the British realized, number one, that half the guys who arrived in South Africa were so weak and pathetic, they couldn't even really be used as soldiers. They were just weren't up to scratch. And then during the course of the war, they found out that they couldn't shoot straight. Um, they were pretty lousy shots. I mean, the Boers just took them out, virtually every battle. And they, they went away from that war, realizing we've got to do better than this. And the sec in the First World War, they had sharpened themselves up, and they were actually quite effective and had learned a lot of lessons. And how many times does the the church go into battle, and we can't shoot straight. Um, we're, un we're unfit. We actually can't be used in battle, and we should be. You know, Hermanus needs the church, not just this congregation, but the church. We represent Jesus. We carry his light within us, and we serve an amazing God. You know, God lives in his people. Um, God, Emmanuel, God with us. If you're born again and your spirit is renewed and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got, wherever you put your foot, God goes there as well. And we should be affecting every city that we live in. Every town, we should put our hand up and say, Lord, use me. And there's no professional. I'm not a professional pastor. We're all just in this together. We're all, I'm just a Christian at the end of the day. I'm just a born-again believer who's been called into leadership. I was in business for 24 years and now more than 20 years in, in actual full-time ministry. But we're all just called to represent him well and to take ground for the kingdom, one by one, person by person, that God wants to use us. But can he use us if we are so busy, unfit, can't shoot straight, and we get sent out in a battle and we, and we encounter the enemy, because there is an enemy, and he does test, uh, he, he tempts us, Jesus had to experience it himself, he was led by the Holy Spirit into those places of temptation. And God will lead you and take and allow you to be tested. The devil will tempt. God doesn't tempt. But he'll allow you to be tested because he wants you to become battle-hardened. He wants you to get breakthrough. He wants you not to fail. He wants you to pass and to learn so that you become a mature believer. In Hebrews 5, it references a mature believer as one who's learned how to handle truth, right and wrong. In Ephesians 4, it speaks up the fivefold ministry, and their job is to equip the body of Christ to come into maturity and unity. Mature believers are effective in the hands of God. But if we are so busy uh, struggling with our own issues, it's very hard for us to be effective in God's hand. And I really believe tonight God wants to, to remind us and help us 
and because he we serve a supernatural spiritual spirit being a god he's powerful he's mighty and able to set us free from everything that might come our way and i know working with people and we've worked a lot in the area of deliverance over the over quite a few decades now and we've seen how people struggle and how the enemy lies to them in their minds and lies to them to the place that they're neutralized and they're ineffective and when the whistle gets blown go into a battle christians can't report what you do. They can't. They just can't do it. They're too busy struggling in their own right, and often people just give up hope. Romans five is a lovely uh, cycle of testing that God takes us through. He says there's testing, perseverance, character, and hope. So there's like a, almost like a. I mean, it's not a formula. Not, God is not a formula. We know that, but almost like this. That's like a process. God uh, that applies to us in this life. We get tested. What do you do at that point in terms of the testing? Do you give up? Do you initially fight and I'm going to do this and then you fail? And man, I've been there so many times. How many times have I failed? And you get disheartened and disillusioned. And again, we can learn from the Italians. Any Italians here? It's not the Italian club or anything, is it? Um, Any Italians? Any Italian heritage? You're Italian? Sorry for you, but this story doesn't make the Italians look that good. Um, By their own, it's facts. I'm sorry, just quoting facts. In the Second World War, the Italians didn't do so great. You would not believe that they came from a Roman heritage who conquered the world. Um, but the Italians, um, they were not in the Second World War in their hearts. Physically, they were there. But in their hearts, they were not there. And they, were, they used to surrender en masse. Even South African troops encountered them a lot. And you'd get a small handful of South Africans capturing thousands sometimes. Because they just didn't want to fight. They just gave up. You know, there was all sorts of jokes that their, their armored cars had five reverse gears and only one forward gear. And uh, if you see Italians walking around with their hands in the air today, don't worry, they're just practicing for the Third World War. You know, so there were so many jokes came out of that. They didn't do great. They, and it's a hard thing. They, they had equipment. They were trained. They just weren't interested in this, in this war. It wasn't what they were cut out for. And likewise in the, in the Christian army, sometimes guys just surrender. You know, le- Satan, leave me alone. Um, if I leave you, we're almost like, without, we won't verbalize it, but it's almost like strike a deal. I won't, affect, I won't step in your territory and you leave me alone. I won't try and witness and evangelize or pray for healing or step out in any way and be bold for my faith because I'd get slammed if I do that. And I, and I get depressed and all these things come upon me. And you know what? Let me just back out and just stay neutral, keep my head down and try and get to the end and don't do anything naughty and go to heaven. And God says there's so much more than that. There's so much more that he's bought for us. If you want to put up, Ethan, are you our man there? 1 John 3 verse, put up verse 8. The reason the Son of God came, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And folks, as, as God's people, we are, we are called to represent our God. The devil's work has been destroyed. The devil's power has been destroyed. He has no power over us as Christians any longer unless we give it back to him. Unless we hand it to him, we can sin, we can do, do, uh, get out of, the, out of the, the protection of God, out of his will and out of where is a safe place in him and find that we can actually get attacked. And if we're not within, like fellow, good example, fellowship. Fellowship and being part of a church because it's so safe. It's such a safe place for the, for the believers to be. And you see Christians, well, I don't, I don't know. Can I, can I be controversial? Do you think you can be a Christian not be part of a church? Don't answer that question. It's a rhetorical, which means you don't have to answer. Can you be a Christian not be part of a, of a fellowship? Not just coming to a Sunday meeting, but part of a fellowship because... Everywhere in Scripture, it's just one of fellowship. It's just one of belonging. In Hebrews 13 at 17, it says that, it says, obey your leaders because they've got to give an account for you one day. I've got to give an account, even for you guys, because you're under our watch. You've been, the Bible says that, that the, the saints have been entrusted to leaders. Of, um, and that's Scripture in, in Acts chapter 20. There's an entrusting that God says, Peter was given the keys to, to initial, initially set the church in motion. Yeah, so Matthew 18 is if you've got a problem with a, b- a believer, it says go to them and show them their problem. Uh, if they sinned against you. If they don't listen, take someone else. And if they don't listen even to, to the two of you, take it to the church. 
So you ask people who are not in church, there's so many guys, we live in a very uh, um, individualistic world, you know, it's just me and God, and uh, I'm done with church, and I'm on the ch- these articles of uh, why people leave the church, and why there's so many unchurched people out there, Christians, call themselves Christians, maybe they've, they've been bad leaders, maybe they've been hurt by the church, or maybe they're just rebellious, and, but even there, God wants you to find your way back and get into fellowship, because like Matthew 18, who are you going to take it to? He says, take it to the church. Now, you're not part of a church, so what do you do? Now, you've got to ignore Matthew 18. You've got to ignore Hebrews 13, 17. There's so many scriptures. You know, Paul said to, 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 to Timothy, go around and appoint, or the Titus, go around and appoint elders in every city. I left you to, to go and do that. The, the, a church, a group, a fellowship of people, there should be elders who are overseeing God's people for their protection to love them and to serve them and to care for them and to feed them. And so when we step out of God's will and God, where God's plan, we open ourselves up to attacks from the enemy. And then we get neutralized and you get so many broken people who should be part of the church. How many, imagine if the whole church got healed and all the people in God's kingdom who call themselves born again believers got healed. Can you imagine how incredible it would be how we could affect cities and, and rock, rock nations because of the, the unity and the love that we have displayed amongst us. But we've got so many casualties out there. And they say the worst uh, person in the army is a wounded soldier. Because he's lying out there. You watch these movies and you see a guy lying out there and he's had his leg shot off or something. And he's worse than a dead soldier. Why? Because he, he cries. He makes a lot of noise. He's in pain. It demoralizes all his troops, who ha- the rest of the army. You can hear him crying out there. They've now got to allocate a whole lot of people to go and try and rescue him and try and help him. Now, we are, we are a hospital as well. We know that there are times when we really have to be in hospital, and we've got to go there and pick up our own and bring them back to safety. But if you stay wounded, if you don't allow yourself to be rescued, to be helped, then as, as a, as a born-again believer, you'll never be effective in the hands of God. You'll never achieve what God has called you to walk and to achieve. You, could have been, you might be divorced yet tonight and, and really hurt from that, from what took place. And God wants to set you free. He's in, the, he's in the business of setting people free, free from the attacks of the enemy, the lies of the enemy. Like almost like we give the enemy a double bite on our lives. Number one, he hurts us. And number two, we stay in a broken place. Whereas... Guess what? Jesus warned us in John. He said in the book of John, he says that in this life, you will have hardship. But take heart. I've overcome this world. Does that mean overcoming means everything's going to go right after that? No. It means that you're going to find the strength and the power and the Holy Spirit to withstand and walk through all those difficulty, difficult things in this life. There are some people in this life, I don't know how they get through it. I mean, I know guys who paralyzed. You know, there's one guy, he's he was a gymnast, a Springbok gymnast, and he got paralyzed as a young man. He's now been paralyzed for, I don't know, 30 years, and he's still joyful in his heart. Um, his body is, he just lies, he can't move every day, just lies there. And I think, man, the grace of God on your life is so wonderful to see, so wonderful to see. So we've got to know our position. I've got a couple of points. Um, we've got to know our position in Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10, um, can you put that up, Ethan? Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10. There we go. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In all of that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hold verse 10 there. You are created for good works. And God had prepared, before you were even born, he prepared works for you to do. Are you in those works right now? Are you in that place where God wants you to be? Are you effective in his hand? Because you're a gift. Every single one of you is a gift. God's given you something that other, the rest of us haven't got. That you, there's something unique about you that, that, that you bring to the family and bring to, to the body of Christ. And if you're not in a position, we're going to go into battle with certain parts of the army missing. 
And you can't do that. You cannot go into battle with certain parts missing. It's not going to work. You're not going to make it. I was involved many years ago as a young man in part of an army and part of a battle. And we were all positioned and called up months of preparation for this battle. And it was all clandestine the way they organized it. And, you know, we suddenly all found ourselves brought into this area uh, for this particular operation that all the top guys had figured out. But they'd done logistical planning for months. And every part had to arrive and be in position. And then, we, then there, was, there was a going into battle. And it was successful. But there's a lot of planning, a lot of, and people in position for that battle to take place. Are you in position right now? Can God use you? Are you free? Are you walking? Do you understand the position you are in Christ Jesus? That you are seated even now in heavenly realms with Him. There's a connection. Eternity has begun. It has begun. You know, we're part of quite a big church now. And, and so every week we're hearing about people dying. And if you, you, know, you, you just hear about people going into eternity, it's, like a, it's quite constant. It's quite, it happens. And you, you just, there's an excitement for them, like, wow, they're, with, they're seeing Jesus face to face now. But for the rest of us down on this earth, the journey must continue until that day we all get called up ourselves. I'd urge you tonight to be in position and, and be where God wants you to be. Um, number two, uh, um, this, understand God's sovereignty. And what I mean by that, uh, understand that God is God and you are not. And that he can do what he wants, how he wants, and when he wants. Because, you know, we, we got saved many years ago, and our particular church went ex into the extreme word of faith movement, which is like a hyper-faith teaching on steroids, you know, um, where if you're sick, you know you're not actually sick, you must, you just got symptoms, you must just, but you're actually healed, you know, and people are almost dying, and it was ridiculous. But um, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. And God... You know, he can do what he wants, how he wants. You can't, you can't pin God down. And as, as the years have gone by, and I've studied the Word of God, and the more I go into it, the more I realize how mysterious God is. He's, he's, he says this is a mystery of God. It talks about marriage and uh, refers to God himself. as a, he's, he's, There's a bit of a mystery. We, we actually don't know that much about God as we think we do. And there's aspects of God where we want to understand him. We want to almost control him in our understanding. And work out, we're trying to figure out all the time, how does God work? You know, we, have, we can have the mind of Christ, and I believe we can. We can understand God's thoughts. And, but then he says, my ways are not your ways. My, you know, there's, there's aspects to God which we don't fully understand. We only see dimly in this life. We, we, we live by faith. We're faith people. And, and understanding, if you understand that God is sovereign, it releases us of such a big burden of getting angry with God and not understanding why things happen to us. Look in the book of Job, and I know when I first got saved and we went into this hyper-faith teaching, they hated the book of Job, you know, because it's God's sovereignty, where Satan comes into God's presence. Did I, I think I, did I give you Job scriptures at all? I think I did, yeah. If you want to put them up there. The Lord said to Satan, okay, he's coming to God's presence. How about that? Very well then. Okay, so you probably know the story, but I'll just quickly remind you. God said, hey, so." You know, consider my servant Job. He's like incredible in the way he lives his life. And, and then Satan says this. He says, yeah, but he only serves you because you bless him. You know, and how many times do you know, we, hey, I've, I've got given a million bucks. Hey, you must be blessed. Well done. What a blessing. But it doesn't always mean that because you, if you've got a lot of money and money comes your way, you've got a fantastic job. It may not always be a blessing because sometimes those things can work against you and actually take you away from God. And so, he, so Satan challenges God, and he says, God, it only serves you because you bless him with finance. Take it away, and let's see what he says. And so God says, okay. He says, you can, you can go for him, but you can't take his life. And, and so Satan goes away. And he says, very well, then everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the Lord's presence, from the presence of the Lord. So understand this, that even now the devil is asking things about you and your life. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you. Okay, he's got access. Jesus has got a word of knowledge, understanding. He says, Satan, Peter, he's asked to sift you. You know, much says to my wife, you know, I say to her, hey, so I've got a word, Satan's asked to sift you. And he, he warns Peter, he says, Peter, when, you, when you've, and, you know, Peter denies, you know, you'll never fall away from God, he won't deny him, and, but he ends up doing all that stuff. And so Satan can 
you can't ask for certain things about your life, but we've got to know this. We are safe in God. Because you can think, well, then I'm like a, I'm like a moving target. You know, I mean, what, what kind of a God am I serving? If he just allows the enemy just to attack me at will. No, he doesn't. God knows what you can take. He knows what you can handle. He's, he will walk you. He will protect you. Because he knows my grace is sufficient for you. His grace. Peter, Paul even says to, to, to God, he says, um, this is tormentor from Satan. Three times, take him away, please. I can't handle it anymore. Take it away. No, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He doesn't say, just re- well, Paul, why are you coming to me? You know what to do. Just rebuke. Tell the thing to go. You know, don't declare who you are. I'm the head, not the tail. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Just make declarations and proclamations and decree and plead the blood. And he doesn't say that. There's no, in this situation, now you see, every situation's different. It's not a, a blanket statement now. Every time you're tormented by Satan, that God's going to react that way towards you. For Paul, that is what his answer was. For someone else, it might, God might say, okay, because we know James then is, tells us, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So which is it? Both. In your situation, you may, God may say, okay, just submit. You see, we can only do what we, can, what we know what we, we can do. After that, it's up to God. You stand, and I'm going to get to that, that God wants us sometimes just to stand. God wants us sometimes just to fight. Which is it? Well, you need to fight. Now, you need to stand. Having done all to stand, now stand. Now, you need to resist. You need to, you need to fight back now. You, you're just letting the enemy walk all over you. Stand, fight against this thing that's happening now. Resist the enemy, and he will flee. So which is it? Well, you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And God wants us to keep in step with His Spirit. That's why there's no formula to God. We want formulas. Every situation, I just resist the devil and you'll flee. You know, declare who you are. Now, people have been declaring, decreeing, and pleading the blood over situations for centuries, and God just doesn't always respond the way they expect. Because in different situations, we've got to understand what God is saying at that moment. Know your position in Christ. Understand that God is sovereign. But you're safe in Him. You're safe. He, he's got you. He's got you covered. Never leave you. Never leave forsake you. So my third point was learn to stand. Ephesians 6. Um, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stake your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's got schemes, eh? He's scheming all the time. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. There we go. Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert, it, you know, when he passed the first test, he didn't say, okay, Father, that's enough now. I mean, the Holy Spirit took him through some more and allowed the Satan to test him in power. He was offered power. He was offered finance. He was offered all sorts of things. And he used the word of God. Satan used the word. He used the correct word in that circumstance, that situation. Satan was quoting the Word of God. I know some people have said, no, he misquoted. Actually not. I went and checked once. I couldn't find that. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe you can show me. But I can't see where he misquoted Scripture. Jesus then said, no, not that Scripture. This Scripture applies. That's why you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. That's why you need counsel of many around you. You know, what am I to do right now? Well, let's see what the Word says. Because it says quite a broad array of things. And we've got to find out what Scripture is applicable in this situation that you're dealing with right now. And God teaches us all differently in different t- seasons of our life. There are times when He just lifts. The, the, sometimes it feels like it's going to go on forever, the, the, the pressure. And I've had my own business for seven years, and man, you learn this word cap- cash flow. You know, you'd never heard of it before, and suddenly cash flow. Anyone got their own business here? Um, hey, not many. 
You're all unemployed or what? <laughs> Just kidding. Dry humor, sorry. Derek, come on, I've trained you to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> he is laughing, but slow though. <laughs> learn to stand, folks. We've got to learn to stand. There's times when you must just stand. So there's times when we're going to come sit alongside you and your husband's just died, your wife has just died, and we haven't got any words to say. We're just going to sit next to you. We don't have an answer. Why did it happen? I don't know. You know, I've got so many, st- I could just pour out stories of, I don't know. I don't know why it happened to such a young person. Why it happened over there doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. But come, let me just sit alongside you and pray for strength that God will comfort you in this time and bring you through. And we understand the bigger picture that we're just aliens and strangers in this world. That's the, that's the problem with the Western generation is that, you know, the average lifespan in America in the 1800s was if you got to the age of 20, you could expect to live to 37. If you got to 20, it's such a high child mortality rate. So if you got to 20, then I've got another 17 years on average. And all my, now it's 70s, 80s, we're living. So we all think, ah, oh, you know, just carry on. And tomorrow, another day. Tomorrow, I'll, I'll make right. And to, but God's saying, no, today is the day. Sort it out now. Because he's waiting. There's work to be done. He said there's work he planned in beforehand for you guys to do. Hermanus needs you. The world needs you. Um, you know, many, many revivals and power of God has come out of small towns. This is a small town at the moment. It's growing quite rapidly. Um, but, but put your hand up and say, Lord, use me. Learn to fight, number four. I need a torture. Um, <laughs> uh, 1 John 5. No, I'll be all right. Thanks, y'all. Um, 1 John 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is, the lo- this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's what I want to stand out for us tonight. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Is that as far as I'm going? Great, thanks. Oh, light. Let there be light. And there was light. And uh, so, you know, if you're born again tonight, you have overcome this world. This world has no hold on you. It, it should not get you depressed. It should not feel overwhelming. It should not get to the point because his commands are not burdensome. His yoke is easy. Yes, it can be tough. Like I'm preaching like a two-edged sword here, I know. Yes, it can be extremely tough, and, and, and there can be really tough times. We know that. There are, there are valleys. But, man, we, even in that valley, we, we have overcome. Even that valley, we're lying on the floor beaten, but we're not out. Because our God has overcome this world. And we are in Him, and we have overcome the enemy by His power. So learn to fight. Be those who, who, who's, who advance. Um, do we, read, oh, do we read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58? I don't think we did. Um, but thanks be to God, he gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Give yourself fully to the Lord. You know, if I use finance as an example, I remember in Durbanville when I came there, um, we, I led Durbanville, Derek was on eldership with me at the time, and you, these guys also with us at one stage. And I remember um, realizing that a lot of the guys were in massive debt. And, uh, you know, you want to you sometimes, when, the Bible's full of finance and, and you needing money and stuff, and we don't teach on finance to get money out of you, but we teach that you'll be, um, that you'll be faithful to the money that God's entrusted to you. And but I realized that, that you know, we, we need finance to, to finance workers, the workers are worthy of their wage, and we need finance to keep going in terms of the kingdom. And uh, so many people in debt, you know, they just couldn't help in any way if you needed to help the poor or anything like that. The guys just weren't able. So I remember at one stage we, we started training our guys practically. Yes, we taught the heart of finance. We taught God's will and God's and the understanding. But we, then we got the experts up there, guys who've got their lives in order to teach and train on, on finance, on a chartered accountant getting up and giving advice and business people giving advice and, and saying how they live their lives and financially. 
And we saw guys getting free to the stage now where Durbanville is the strongest contributing congregation. And it's not, it's not full of that of wealthy people necessarily. It's got a lot of faithful people who God has multiplied um, their giving through their faithfulness. So we've got to learn to fight in these matters. Learn to be, we need wisdom in all these things. Um, and then the last one is keep clean. Uh, Luke chapter 11. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by who, whom do you, your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out the demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it found the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman of the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth, and nursed you. Um, so there's a sense of getting clean, walking in freedom, and then don't go back to what you did before. It is, you are going to get worse. I'll just tell you the scripture in John 5 verse 14. Uh, he prays for a man, and later he meets the guy, and he says to him, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. This is Jesus speaking. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. And so you find out people take ground, and, the, and, and then they lose it. Uh, there was a, there's a, there's a true story about in the Vietnam War, and there actually was a movie called Hamburger Hill, where the Americans went up this hill, and the Vietnamese were occupying it, and they fought, and it was a terrible battle. They lost so many guys, the Americans did. And eventually they take the hill, and they get orders, no, let it come down again. So they go down, and the, the Vietnamese reoccupied the, the hill, and they think, well, what is that all about? You know, we took all that ground, we lost so many people, we saw our buddies getting killed around us, and then we just told to hand it back. It didn't make any sense. It's a whole long story. But sometimes we do that in the spirit. We take ground and we just give it back to the enemy again. And he comes in and he, our condition is sometimes worse than before. There have been times when we said, we are reluctant to pray for you again because, man, you're just getting worse. Because we, we pray and we've, we've seen demons leave people and they go back to their sin and their things just come back worse. And you can apply it to so many situations in your life where you've, Sometimes people just go backwards and backwards and backwards because they just keep going and repeating the same things. And tonight I really believe God wants to set people free. Because I termed this, this, this message walking in freedom. You've got to walk in it. You've got to continue in it so that God can use you for His glory. Your life has one purpose, and that's to glorify Him. That's the only reason that you exist, is to glorify God through your life. It's not to marry, have children, have a job get education. That's all good things. Nothing wrong with any of that. But that's not the sole ex reason why you exist. The whole re reason for your existence is to serve God and be in relationship with Him. And if you're in relationship with this amazing God, there should be a reflection of that light coming through us and touching people's lives. Because there's works that God created for us to do. Good works. Not works for our salvation, but from salvation. From that place of being filled with the Spirit. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to shine you. I want people to see my life. I want to reach out and, and touch people for the kingdom. So I want to pray for us now that as God's people, that we would walk in that freedom. If there's anything that you've been struggling with, why don't you bring it to Jesus tonight? Bring it to him and say, Lord, and we don't have all the solutions. I know that. I wish we did. We don't have all the answers, but he does. And sometimes it might be a little bit painful walking out 
in your place to freedom. By that I mean you might have to change the way you do things, the way you run your life, the way you have the, the direction that you're going, and you may need to change things in order to find that freedom and to walk in it. If you keep going back to the old ways, you know, when you come to the kingdom of God, everything, everything should fall away that has that's had become a God to you. God wants all of your heart tonight. He wants all of you. He wants you to walk in that freedom. that He, he bought that freedom at such a great price, his very own life. We, we um, did communion tonight. He said, in remembrance of that death and that blood shed for us, that our sins will be washed clean. And I believe that if we're born again, that our sins can be washed clean. But God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to have good marriages. He wants us to be good in the place of work, that we, we reflect him well in our place of work. That they, they don't want to fire you. They don't want to get rid of you because you're such an incredible person and the way you, you love your Lord Jesus. When we come to know God, something changes, and it's not Him. It's us. We change, and we become like Him. First and foremost, your spirit is renewed. You're born again. And then there's outworking and a journey that begins as you start following Him and hearing His voice as you're going along. So let's stand the devil's got any, you know, his boss says, don't give the devil a foothold. He's got a foothold in your life in any form whatsoever. Why don't you bring it to him tonight? Prayer is so powerful, and our God is so powerful. He really desires, he, he watches over his word to see it come into life, come into fruition. So I really believe that God wants to bring people and lead them into freedom tonight. If you're struggling with, could be anything from depression or uh, anxiety or anything like that. I really believe our God wants to set you free and bring you into a place, a spacious place. Even though you may still be in the in the physical situation, who knows for how long, but God wants your heart. He wants you to walk in that freedom. Can we do that? Father, we just come to you tonight as your people, as your beautiful bride. That Father, you sent your son Jesus to come and die for us, that we might live. And Lord, we want to live in fullness, in fullness, God. We'll be those who overcome in this world, overcome the, 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 the things of this world that would hold us back from serving you in a beautiful way. So Lord, tonight we're going to bring those things and lay them at your feet. If there's anything that God's speaking to you about, because you should hear the voice of God. God should highlight things to us as we go along. And the reason, the, the purpose of this message is to help us to come into that freedom. I try to share God's Word as best as I know how and bring His heart through in it as best as I know how so that you can find that beautiful freedom and walk in it and be transformed by the power of God. We serve a powerful God. Bigger than, and I've prayed for physical miracles and seen them take place, but bigger than any physical miracle is the the change and the shift of a heart and the healing of a heart and emotions and mind. He is our healer. And I really believe tonight He wants to realign and restore us to Him. Father, just come and touch your people right now. Lift your hands if you want God just to come and work in your life in any format. Lift your hands before the throne room of God tonight. He's an amazing God. He really is. Father, we, you love your people, and your people love you. Let there be a shift tonight in the heavenly realms. You said our battle is not against flesh or blood, but principalities and powers. And Father, we want to come against those things and resist them in your name. And where they have no authority, that they flee. If you've given any authority to any evil uh, force or like a demonic spirit in any way if you've opened a door of any sort close it tonight repent of it for opening that door repent of it it could be sexual it could be money if you ever spoke about paying your taxes give to Caesar what is Caesar's any door if you've opened it close it tonight in your life enemy can have no authority there any longer, but only the authority of God will reign and rule in your life. Thank you, Father.
worship your name. Very important tonight, if there's anyone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus, I'd love to give opportunity for those folk to, to come before Him. Like I, to do, like I chose to do, because God revealed Himself to me 43 years ago. And man, I, I, when I saw what an incredible God He was, I didn't understand, but I just knew I wanted to be in relationship with this God. I accepted who He was. And He died for me. That's you tonight. You want to commit your life to serving Jesus. To invite Him into your life. Because He says He will come and live within us. Then raise your hand towards me so I can pray for you tonight. Only those who want to accept Jesus, raise your hands right now. I know there are some gentlemen at the back raising them. Lady, them. Father, I pray for those who've raised their hands right now, that they will confess you as their Lord and Savior and accept you, Lord, into their lives right now. That you will come, Lord, and wash them as pure as snow and take their sin away from them, Lord, that they might walk and live in the light that you've led them into. I pray, Father, that they will leave this the things of this world will not have any stranglehold or hold on them whatsoever. But Lord, only you will reign and rule in their hearts. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. us afterwards, one of the leaders, please come here. We, we're on your side. We want to help you, okay? We're in this together and we want to journey with you in this life. We're a family. If you're struggling, we want to come alongside you as best we can to help you to walk in the freedom. So please come and talk to us. Don't hold back. No, nobody is insignificant. Um, everyone counts in the kingdom of God.
into flames A passion for your name Spirit of God Would you fall in this place Lord, have your way Lord, have your way Come to me
Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. Father, we come and stand in awe of our King. We stand in awe of Jesus. Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. Father, we pray that as we go home tonight, that we'll not just just leave and forget what was said tonight. But Father, we pray that we will seek your freedom, Lord. Or that we would seek to live free. Lord, not giving the enemy a foothold. Not giving him a door. Not giving him a space in our lives. But Father, that Lord, you would help us to be that army that you've called us to be. Lord, the bride of Christ that would stand and would worship our King. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, that is here. Lord, be with us. Lord, we invite you into every area of our lives. And we love you, King Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.